this is actually my second um, recording regarding the final game. The first was done after the final whistle and was um, probably libelous and slanderous and all sorts of stuff because I was so angry and really, you know, probably replaced with a feeling of just being scunnered, to use a good Scottish word. Um, you know, I talked to a lot of people with big Celtic hearts and, you know, it's the conversations can go all over the place in different opinions and all that, but like, the one consistent from pretty much Anne's leaving is our recruitment has been an absolute shambles over the summer. And, um, you know, you kind of feel like it's saying, I told you so, without what I say that, because it's not really going to help anything. Um, I mean, last night, to me, uh, in terms of the Feyenoord game, it looked like we had assembled a team an hour before the kickoff and just said, "Lad, oh, just do your best, you know. There didn't seem to be any kind of plan, any kind of cohesion. Um, you know, we're crying out for a high press, which we didn't seem to have the the legs for, I guess. Um, we showed an incredible amount of both naivety and cowardice in our play. Um, and ultimately, I mean, the first goal is a goal. I don't think what anybody sees Kyogo in the wall and all that. Joe Hart sets the wall up. Joe Hart's 35 yards from the ball. Joe Hart should not be letting that ball in. End of story. I think every Celtic supporter on the planet has said ad nauseum, we need a new goalkeeper. Been said by all the gang on here numerous times. Secondly, <clears throat> you have. The decision for the sending off stroke penalty where, all right, it's very soft and it's probably known that, but if you do something like that, you give the referee a decision. And at that level, people capitalise on things like just a stray hand or whatever. The other sending off, I mean, honest to God... I'm finding it hard to compose myself. I would at very least be having a strong word in the boy's ear. That's the polite version. Um, and by then, the game's gone. The game's gone. End the story. So, everybody who spent money to go and flights and accommodation and tickets and bevy and food, complete doing the drain because of that stupidity gave us no chance um, and then you're bringing guys on who are just no I mean you know the boy oh loads of potential and all that but fucking hell I mean we could have been bringing on the Dutch top scorer three years ago two years ago to try and save that game instead we're bringing on a guy who's just all potential Um Honduran boy in the wing Flashes, but first game, you know, it's, it's it just feels like every day is a right, what can we do the day type thing, and that's just no good enough. It's but you know, I've heard people say we're a laughing stock in Europe, I, I disagree with that. We're too irrelevant to be a laughing stock, people just roll up and beat us, you know. It's that 
that's really what happens. And so that's a club thing over many, many years. Eh? Downsizing and infrastructure, no being, you know, evolving and an academy that's no fit for purpose and, you know, signing policies that just didn't make any sense whatsoever and even managerial appointments that make no sense whatsoever. Um, so, you know, I, if you'd have listened to me last night, you'd probably fucking thought I was ready for the loony bin. But today I'm just pissed off. And I know you're hearing this after the fact and all that, but really, I mean, something has to change. You know, we're really into Einstein's theory and sanity now, so if something's the same, but I just didn't see the appetite for it. I'm just not sure uh, enough supporters are, are mere um, sort of just content to go to the games and jump about and sing and dance and shout and swear and drink and all the rest of it, or do they actually want a football club they can be proud of? Final two, Celtic now. Where do you begin with us? Um, well, first half was pretty even. I mean, for most of it, like it looked like two teams that were making poor decisions. Um, we had a few chances or so today, but it was it was a final decision making each on behalf of each of them that kind of kept the <laughs> the game from going anywhere. Um, I thought. Inclusion of Palmer and her team, bit of an odd one to throw him in at this stage. And it, it looked exactly like you'd expect. It looked a bit out of his depth, to be honest. Um, having said that, Greg Taylor behind them didn't look much better. Hatati, who many have said should be coming in for uh, Taylor, looked pretty poor. He was one of the worst for his decision making. Um, and then the, the half ends with a free kick, which some will blame Joe Hart for but, but um, I think if you're going to put the wall up and the wall disintegrates it's hard to blame the keeper for that one the wall's there to not the wall's there not to disintegrate um, so no I think that one goes to the wall for me so that sends us in half time completely different I go down um, the second half I think that probably composed fine order back because they looked as if they started the second half better than we did uh, we were still at it and then comes the big call, um, the penalty, which <sighs> VR isn't going to overturn that one once it's given, but it's soft as hell. It is never a yellow card. He's put his arm across to try and shield it. The final players went down over his face because he's claiming he's been caught. I'm not convinced he was. Um, but VR's not going to overturn the yellow card, given that they're not going to overturn the free kick, yeah, the, the penalty. So that was that was like a bell call off. The, the penalty itself was easily saved. Um, not a particularly good penalty. With the hard guesses the right way and it make, makes it easy when it does so. But we're still down to 10 at that point. Uh, and when we had 11, we didn't really look like we were making the right choices. And then the stupidest choice of all was that challenge for home that ruins it completely it's no doubt for me that one's a red card you can't slide in like that in Europe that's just ridiculous stupidity um, and that, that completely wipes us out and after that when they had the ball and they had a couple of times that rolled it for offside they did get the second goal immediately for, well 
wasn't a bit of a free kick because I was one of the ones who was over there. But yeah, two 0 might have flattered us then, given we didn't nine men. Final don't look great shakes though. Um, so you can't pass up the chances we had in the first half uh, to create things uh, at this level. You can't do stupid challenges at this level. And I'm afraid to say we've just lost the possibly the weakest, well, the second weakest in the group because we're the weakest. Um, of the three journeys that we've got to make in this group stage, that's the easiest, sorry. It's, we're not going to get in Rome, we're not going to get in Madrid, not playing with us. Um, I really wish the squad was as healthy looking as a balance sheet um, because that's what matters, let's face it, we're a football club. If we're not good at football, I don't really give a flying fuck whether we're good at profit and loss. Um, money in the bank doesn't get you points in the Champions League. It doesn't get you coefficient points. And for the harder thinking at the Celtic uh, board, who don't seem to want to invest in us ever at this level, the coefficient points, if we don't get them, it gets harder to get the money you all crow about when we get to the Champions League. Because you don't get automatic spots in the Champions League if the coefficient drops for Scotland. You don't get decent pots if your coefficient point drops. You don't qualify if you have to qualify because you get end up being unseeded. That's that's where we're headed um, because we're not packing anything up. Uh, and the other thing that concerns me is if Brendan Rodgers was brought in to help push Celtic on in Europe, he has been sold up pop because nobody has backed him for it. I know we've got injuries. I know the back is decimated because Navrotsky's and uh, uh, even in the Champions League squad because he's got about a while we've got Carter Vickers who's going to come back it's October at some point um, we've got Stephen Welsh who's out Wagabelka was just in the door and is now going to be suspended for the next game so that's another problem to add to the many that we have at the back Greg Taylor doesn't cut out a left back sorry um, Alistair Johnson it looks about their best defender currently by a stretch and if we lose him, there's no real cover for him. Ralston's OK, does it all right in the league, but at this level we'd need something better than that. We can't keep relying on Kyogo, especially when you have to sub him because we're down to nine men. Or was it ten men he went off at? Maybe ten men. Because we played a Vata at the back. It's just... There's weaknesses in this team and they've been clear to see from day one and yet we've persisted with them because we're... We'll do what we always do. We can't even make the excuse of we had to wait to see if we qualify for the Champions League this year because we've made all the signings pretty late on. Like I say, Palmer, that was his first start today. Um, so we should be getting ready for the Champions League in July, not at the end of August. Um, we can't legislate for injuries, but we could do so much more. Um, but yeah, we've got lots of money in the bank, so yay. Um, but that's all been funded for the season ticket increases and the five tops that we've had in 2023 released so that's where the money's going in the bank that's not what I've been uh, paying into see Celtic for I'm paying into see Celtic not a balance sheet If anybody out there wants to grant me a wish it is to put Chris Kajawa into the next Celtic board meeting So that's us after the worst start as we can be in the Champions League we a defeat and um, to me basically when you look at it and if you had any hope at all uh, 
qualifying, getting out of the group for the later stage of the Champions League, I think that's probably gone with the night's result, to be honest with you, unless we can do something fucking miraculous. But that looks beyond us, to be perfectly honest. Uh, so, the game the night, there's no point really in talking about the players that weren't there and what difference it could or couldn't have made the boys on the park and what they did and what they did in the day was there and playing for Odyssey. Uh, we started obviously quite well, didn't we? The first the first half hour and then leading into half time, but you're all thinking 93 minutes injury time. Well, I, I wasn't expecting to get to half time. You, you were just waiting for it to fuck up a la any other Celtic European way and the duly obliged way. Stupid free kick to get away, the usual phrase, and then again with the wall and fucking heart and but getting into that and interestingly enough for me and Rogers kind of he fucking threw the the players under the bus in the post-match interview there didn't he when he said about uh, he's alright with players making game uh, game and game decisions sorry so in other words it was fuck all today with me uh, which shite in my opinion two red cards two inexperienced boys and that's what you get when you go into Champions League with inexperienced boys wasn't a fucking surprise days was it uh, Lager Bielka I don't know what the fuck uh, who, who's, who, who put him into your club who has went out and scouted him even at the last minute with Starfield gone and said here's a boy that's going to go in there and even at the last minute okay Rogers says Hans forced we we, who's no there I suppose but come on to fuck man has anybody seen this guy have any kind of about him I know he's a young boy and everything else but again what I said about it about Ibrox we're putting players in a Celtic jersey doesn't matter what age you are doesn't matter how many games you've played you're gone you're playing for Celtic and this guy I don't know for me I don't know I don't know what the fuck he's doing at our club and uh, they hurt me as well it sounds as if I'm getting a bit personal and the boy it's not again it's nothing to do with him it's just what you need for Celtic and he's just clearly not got it uh, home again that's just that is an, an experience so with him I like I like the boy and I think he's got something for us uh, but some of the other boys obviously Palmer started the night um, he done a lot of running about uh, I don't know I don't know yet I'm not going to judge him too too far in it was good to see Hattati getting back into the game I think obviously his lack of match sharpness showed and you were screaming for him to put Kyogo in weren't you there and and <laughs> that was another strange thing I'm going to mention that we were only 1-0 behind at the time right and he takes off Kyogo you're only going to get one chance, hopefully, at that stage in the game. You're, why take your off? I know you've got to sacrifice something, but why the one man who's potentially going to get that chance that you would bank on rather than any other putting the ball in the net? But anyway, all in all, a defeat. That's the, the crux of it. You can add Rotterdam to a long list. I'm not even going to pretend to go on and list them all. Chris Kawawa could he be here all night listing the European away day defeats for Celtic. So leave it at that. Uh, onwards and upwards, as I say, hopefully to Celtic Park and see if we can get anything out of it and get something out of this Champions League campaign. Hail, hail. Well, 
Celtic versus uh, Fylde at Rotterdam is finished a short time ago. Uh, we're already kind of under pressure by numbers, the squad. Um, I tipped a Celtic victory, uh, hard fought, maybe 2-1, odd goal. Uh, we started not too bad. Um, our first 11 was probably what I would have chosen, but what's available. Um, maybe Palmer with his first start. Hattati was back in the middle of the park, so you thought, right, we're going to go for the regular 4 3 3, the, the kind of your first pick three are in the middle, so we're going to do something. And for the first 10 15 minutes, we actually looked the part, made the final look really ordinary. Um, we didn't fashion that many chances as such, but the, the, you could tell the pressure was starting to build. The more we kind of made them kind of kind of sit back or get them into a game, we kind of settled into right. We're kind of in the ascendancy. What do we do for here? Twenty twenty five minutes in, we just started sitting back and it's luckily, Don't know what we were doing. Started playing the game in our own half, pinging it about between our centre halves and our goalkeeper inviting pressure and then finally just kept picking up second balls constantly we kept misplacing passes they kept pressing us higher they thought we gave them a bit more belief and then it was bound to happen that we're either going to give them chances or free kicks something that's going to result in a goal and we, we seem to kind of no, no weathered it but then it just a, a, a stupid but a interplay by us that again too many wee triangles between our left back our midfield and our centre halves no really going anywhere putting ourselves under pressure then we've got a free kick 30 yards out which isn't the worst it's 30 yards out but it need to be something like Janino or somebody that's we're in real real trouble here and then the wall really doesn't do his job but Joe Hart doesn't save it then that's, that's the whole shooting match. The game's done. Because we were already starting to kind of revert to type that Celtic are a Champions League team. They're just nervous, don't want the ball, it's a hot potato. They're trying to play football, but all of a sudden they don't know how to. It's, it was just so odd. And then second half starts, we start kind of brightly. And then just off us to pieces we're starting to do the same thing diving into tackles it was just a, a really really bad day at the office a bad day at the office um, end of the game with nine men home dived into a tackle it didn't literally look that bad but the way he went in I thought he never really hurt the boy but he was a bit high on the shin it's a red card every day of the week Lager B Elk I think was a little unlucky but fair play to Joe Hart, he sort of redeemed himself by saving a penalty, so... But ended the, end of the game with nine men, and we didn't look... We didn't look great after about 25 minutes, roughly. We just seemed to sink into our shell, try to kind of be dead conservative for who we were going to play the game. And it's, it just wasn't great at all. It wasn't, wasn't the best. So... The main 
turning of the game. Let's get to half time. Don't be, don't be conceding any goals. And it's Joe Hart, the man that everybody wanted replaced. And then it's down to the board. You've got two glaring things that need to be changed. And there you have it. Joe Hart, can I get across the goal enough to get his body in front of a free kick that wasn't hit with any pace and it bounces in the six yard box and he still can't get his two hands on it. Regardless of what they wanted, that is, that's, that's not acceptable. So that's on the board. 100% on the board. But to get away from there with nine men and only 2-0, it's, it's not the worst. It's not the worst. But at the same time, I think after about 15-20 minutes, we were definitely in the game and caused them problems. Just before we cut on to the main part of the show, I want to address something. Yesterday, on our Twitter feed, posted up some pictures of Little Island in Edinburgh, the Cowgate area, which is now adorned with not just a plaque of James Conley, which has been there for years, but other um, reflections of him and uh, Irish things. And this is about um, obviously claiming and reclaiming these areas for the recognition of our heroes. And we got quite a few snarky comments from people who were like, oh, that's no Little Island, Little Island's here and Little Island's there. And you're like, you're kind of missing the point here. We want these places to be everywhere. We want recognition of the Irish diaspora everywhere, right? We also want recognition of our legends, heroes, working class people, everywhere, right? It's not a competition. So it's about expanding that. Because listen, councils, politicians, <coughs> all these types of people, they're not going to do it. So we have to do it. I was at a rally at the very spot under the James Conley plaque in June where the organiser and main speaker, Jim Slavin, talked about how the working classes need to claim these things for our heroes. And if we want plaques redone to James Conley and people like that, then it's up to us to do it. And that's exactly what's happened in that area, where it's been decorated to reflect the... Not just the life and work of James Conley, but the population of the area as it escaped um, genocide in Ireland. And that recognition should be everywhere, in East End of Glasgow and Lanarkshire and everywhere you want. Again, because it's not a competition. And similarly, with other things, recognition of our heroes and ex-players and all that kind of thing. It's stuff that we were going to do in the future to rectify that as well. So... The point being, we're supposed to be a collective, we're supposed to be together, you know, it's no competition.
is a new podcast with the Sterling cast. Still are the teams have it with book fast. Swearing's in the air, and we'll all be there. Still are the teams. Still are the teams. It's all for you to wear your view. Larkin sets the scene for the white and green. Fuck the SFA. We still won the day. Still are the teams. Still are the teams. Still are the teams. Welcome to Still Are The Tims, Livingston nil, Celtic 3. Um, we had kind of laid the hoodoo that previously existed there in the last few games and um, never really felt in any danger before the game. Um, you know, obviously the pitch and all that gets repeated and it's, you know, the fact that we've even got pitches like that in a top flight of Scottish football is an absolute fucking embarrassment, quite frankly. But, you know, if you've got good football players, you know, they can play. And, um, you know, decent start where, you know, we get the penalty, Stonewall penalty, even John Beaton's going to give that. And um, pretty poor finish for Hatati. Um, goalie should have saved it. But it puts us 1-0 up and, you know, we looked um, dominant, you know, particularly doing the Livingston right. I mean, the thing about Davy Martindale is, right, I know he gets a lot of abuse of his I suppose. I actually quite like the guy, you know, for what he tries to do and, you know, he continually tells us his uh, uh, smallest budget in the league and so forth, right? But he's, he's, he's a tactically astute manager, normally. But he got his tactics completely wrong and he kind of panicked a wee bit with the loss of Mikey Devlin and he's thinking, all right, I'll change it up. Um, and it just was not working. And I think he was possibly looking for a tactical change um, just at the point that Joe Hart decides to um, go nuts. Now... I've been critical with Joe Hart pretty much all season. I said, you know, we needed a new goalkeeper in the summer. Um, I think quite a lot of people have said that. I think his time's done. Um, and again, it's one of the ones where I've said it so many times. You come out like that and you have made the decision for the forward. It is that simple, right? Now, admittedly, Scales is at fault as well. He's trying to play offside, knowing full well Lager Bielka um, is behind them. So that's just stupidity and that allows for that incident to take place. But again, Hart coming out, nah, it's no for me, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, there was no kind of complaint to me or, you know, I know they looked at it on VR and stuff like that, but I just, you know, I will never understand the goalkeepers that do that. And then... Um, 
of course, then we substitute James Forrest, who is a surprise starter. Um, you know, James Forrest, for me, has been a phenomenal servant for the club and all that, but he can't seriously be looked upon to start football matches for Celtic anywhere. So that was disappointing to see that. But then, of course, he goes off. And, um, you know, the, the Livingston, you know... It, They've got some decent players there for the money that they spend. Eh? The boy, big boy up front and all that's always a handful. One. Um, but they kind of they fell into the trap of thinking, all right, we've got a great chance now. And it doesn't really work like that anymore, going down to 10 men. The fitness levels of players are such that you should be able to cover that you know, reasonably easy. The only place you're going to suffer is up top and of course we're lucky in the fact that we have our one elite player which is Kyogo up there Celtic 3-0 winners at Livingston but boy did we make it hard for ourselves uh, got off to a great start clear penalty um, no doubt about that one referee got that right at least uh, uh, the keeper should save it though I mean Hatati's penalty isn't that great um, and it kind of went through the keeper so uh, bit of luck there and I think <laughs> a bit of luck probably says it all um, John Beaton seemed to be intent on making sure he was going to stamp his authority in this game uh, by giving cards one way but one of the interesting incidents was uh, a Livingston player clattered into a Celtic player studs up and then a second later Alistair Johnson never quite made contact with a Livingston player so of course that's a free kick to Livingston and a booking for Alistair Johnson VR checked the Livingston one, but wasn't he offering it to get a red card? I think they were lucky, to be honest. Um, he then books Liam Scales for a Livingston player falling into him. Uh, I don't understand that one either. And then, like, there's no doubt Beaton gets the red card right for Joe Hart because that was calamitous. I don't know what Hart was thinking. Um, probably thinking that your defenders were not covering long balls over the top because that was a bit of a problem all day at least it would have been had Lewiston not been crap but yeah like I say red, red card eh, I can't argue that one we were crying out for getting a new goalkeeper in never got it uh, and today we've seen exactly why we need a new goalkeeper because Hart's decision making at times is highly questionable going in with the feet with that one was insane uh, and he got what he deserved. And then Bain in the second half, who was obviously on as a sub, was just... He did nothing. And the one thing he did do was fall asleep and not have any clue what a six-foot-four bloody Livingston player in bright yellow is wearing. What's he doing? Insane. We need a keeper. But now we can't get one until January. So, And I don't think it's a priority, which is, I think is ridiculous. Anyway. We weren't troubled. This is the thing. It's like... We, got this, we get the second goal um, early in the second half that obviously helps uh, settle things quite a bit because a goal lead when you're down to 10 men is a bit dodgy a two goal leads much more secure and I don't know how my Maeda didn't score it uh, <laughs> don't worry about that O'Reilly was there O'Reilly was always there today I mean, he, he played great today uh, I mean, I mean Greg Taylor actually that's probably Greg Taylor's best game um, since uh, this season uh, so full credit there uh, and then like Livingston were like I say Livingston were able to get in behind us a few times but they never done anything that. Like, their decision making was terrible they're rotten and I think we're a bit lucky that they're rotten because we were, it was easy for us to manage this game in the second half so 
And then, like, well, then because Beaton knows he's going to get pulled up, uh, if he doesn't start carding uh, Livingston players, starts giving them yellow cards for every sudden fill they put in. Uh, they are a bit of cloggers, but there was stuff they were getting booked for in the second half, which was the worst going on in the first half, by far, that we just got not given at all. In some cases, we need a free kick. So Beaton was obviously trying to fiddle his numbers with them. Uh, and then we get the, the, the kind of cherry in the cake with a third goal. That was a cracking finish by Maida. Um, so credit to him. We made up for missing that opportunity for the second one. Uh, and we've got the three points. So it's... Uh, I'm glad we've got the result. I'm glad we managed to see it out. But we still don't feel right. There's still so many issues. And we need to find some way to resolve them we need to get deal with the long balls over the top I don't know what we do about a goalkeeper because I don't really rate either of them I think Hart will be okay because it was a goal scorer opportunity denial that he gets sent off for no violent conduct so he should be back in the next game because I don't really trust being against Willow coming up so nah, I think there's still a lot of work to be done in this team Um but again we're getting the results so if we can just keep grinding them out until we can actually sort stuff however long that's going to take then great but right, well we'll take it despite the cheating and boydy greeting despite John Beaton the raging hum Five-way agreement, EBT scheming. We still won, we still won, we still won. Livingston now, Celtic three. A composed performance when you think about the fact we went down to ten men after half an hour. We were... Absolutely superb. Controlled the game from start to finish. Um, Matt O'Reilly was absolutely imperious. Great finish again. Great anticipation to be in the box when Dizan Maida made a James Hunter. Uh, first goal, Stonewall penalty. Why it was there, I'd cared, I don't know. If Joe Hart gets sent off for denying a goal scoring opportunity, well, what did the centre off do? Um, ref watch again John Beaton say no more as we did in the group taking a photo outside the crown bar he won't be the toast of that bar the night after giving us a penalty so fuck him and the SFA I thought that on the whole we were composed solid at the back couple of dodgy moments but nothing major thought Big Scales had a great game again Joe Hart, an aberration, but you can forgive him that. Uh, Scott Bain, safe hands when he came on, I thought. Apart from dawdling on the ball, maybe would have cost us a goal in any other game, but the day the luck was ways. I thought midfield, Cal Mack absolutely strolled it. Acres of space, ran the game, took the ball sometimes in tight situations beat two or three and then got rid of the ball smart passes I thought we were absolutely superb up front was hard going after we went down to ten 
on the whole, happy days. Second half, absolutely strolled it. Two cracking goals. Maida's finish. He missed two chances that were easier early on in the game, but what a goal in injury time. That'll do the referee for adding on an extra minute. On the whole, happy with the performance. Happy days. Seven points clear. Five more goals in the Huns. And the pressure's on them at Motherwell tomorrow. Hail, hail. Fuck the SFA. We still are the Tims. And so there kind of is a wee bit um, sort of sticky moments leading up to... Um, I mean, when you're bringing on Scott Bain, um, I mean... If people want to criticise things at Celtic, you know, one of the first questions would be, how are we still relying on Scott Bain to come on and do something? I mean, his performance at Easter Road at the end of last season should have been enough for somebody, anybody at the club to say, right, thanks very much for your service, now go. But here he is, still here, and still all over the place. Um and you're kind of like, you know, that's where if we're going to fall in this game, it's going to come for a mistake for him. And he did his best to make them, but Livingston couldn't capitalise. And here's where I thought um, Livingston kind of made a boo-boo. Um, we got a great second goal, um, phenomenal boffy Kyogo. You know, again, elite player, knows what he did. I don't know what we need to stand um, uh, with the finish, but of course, Matt O'Reilly's there, who's easily been our best player this season by a mile. Um, to, and really gave us that kind of cushion. But Livingston's reaction was bizarre to me, right? So he's thinking, right, okay, bring on three subs and then four and five subs and all that, right? And I'm sorry, but when you're talking about things like having the lowest budget in the league, and you know all that kind of stuff and the inhibitions like these you are never ever going to replace players that you're in your first 11 with guys off the bench that are the same quality same standard simple as that um, and so you could see the standard of Livingston drop when these players came onto the pitch because the reality is, we all due respect to them, these are players that kind of get a game for Livingston now. So they're never going to really be... And that led to us having a really comfortable, um, you know, last part of the game, um, which was handy given any mistakes that was coming for us, you know, or sorry, any pressure that was coming onto us was coming for our mistakes rather than, you know, them doing anything. So... Um, yeah, that was that was handy. So thank David Martindale for that too. Away to Edmonton. Early start for us this morning. We picked the first boy up at three o'clock. Get the four a.m. sailing. Been a long day so far. Uh, got into the stadium. I thought I thought I thought Skills was very very good today. It's good to see one of our own doing well. <clears throat> I thought Joe Nobley found him. And for some reason, Skills got a yellow card. And then I thought he was going to get a yellow card for descent. You know, he was in can rage. I didn't think, you know, we nobody hit him. Next time the ball came up, 
from where I was looking, nobody fouled, nobody fouled Joe Hart. Both of them lying on the ground. Referee was standing on the red card in his hand. I thought, oh, happy days here. He's going to send off Joe Nobley. I thought it was a wee bit harsh, but I thought the other card was done. Unbelievably, sent off Joe Hart. Now, I haven't seen a replay, but from what I've seen, I, I, never, I didn't think it was a red. <clears throat> but then... I, don't, I might have been a foul, I don't know, but at the time we thought, well, that's what VAR's there for, you know, to rule out these clear and obvious errors. But if it was a foul, like, Joe Hart should know, like, these cunts can't wait to send you off. You know, if you give them an excuse to send you off, they'll take it, and which he, he did right away there. Uh, second, week, second week in a row, missed a goal, I was downstairs, never Matt O'Reilly scored. I was happy to see Maida score, Maida score, Maida played well the day when they got the man sent off me they went to uh, played in the front two which suits him better than playing the left wing as usual I thought, he, I, th- I thought playing on the front two really suits him better good to see him score one other thing I thought the ball was really shit looking like that grey ball it looked like they found it in the roof of the stand to be lying up there for the fortnight since the last home game at own hurling they changed the colour of the ball from yellow to from white to yellow to make it easier seen that was a hard ball to follow. It just had a look weathered. It looked like an old ball was lying outside. And then the end, whenever Rogers was starting to redeem himself, whenever a wee boy ran on the pitch, three stewards took him out. The third man tackle, they saying Gilly football. He evaded two, then another one came. It was like a wrestling move. It was like a tombstone or a rock bottom. We took him out, take him away, get the wee boy in trouble. And Rogers came over and saved the wee fella. Up there with Calvin, up there with CKR, big. <coughs> up there up there with uh, Colin St. Richards did the same thing Kilmarnock saved, saved a young fella from being taken away with this church and Rogers did it the day all in all a good day any for, anyway for us good performance good to win 3-0 with 10 men heel heel despite the racist and anti-papists Despite tax cases We still won The honest mistakes Masonic handshakes We still won We still won We still won Good game this morning against Livy Always a wee banana skin But uh, all in all Very good game uh, played by Celtic bunch of boys getting to know how one another are playing uh, definitely need to practice penalties that wasn't a good penalty um, good game like, don't have any problem with what uh, happened this morning to say coming back for Europe playing in Livingston tough game tough game Always a banana, but I thought Selig played well, and Rogers' tactics are thinking are starting to come through. Uh, I wouldn't have gave uh, his, <laughs> I wouldn't have gave Taylor man of the match. I would have gave that to. <sighs> I think Maeda. I think Maeda deserved that definitely. That was. Man done, I mean, he ran there for, for 90 minutes, he non-stop. Uh, I mean, I love the guy, fabulous. I've absolutely no problem, I think. Gay Christmas, 
New Year without losing any games, we'll romp this league. 100%. We'll run this league. No problem. Once we get our players back and everybody's got to know how each other plays, it's the matter of finding our feet. We'll be fine. Quite happy with what I've seen this morning and looking forward to it. God bless all the Tims. See you soon. Hi everybody, hope you're enjoying Still Out of the Thames um, Music is an interlude of time, Fail and we're in here again um, Just by way of a background uh, to the song for this week And thanks again Paul for uh, the invitation to sing um, and include this song um, I was very taken by the Green Brigade's uh, slogan and banner against Dundee uh, at the weekend um, Calling for the the legacy bill to be scrapped. Um, so often the the Green Brigades get their banners and, and slogans spot on, and uh, this was no exception. Um, the legacy bill, for those who aren't familiar with it, um, has been passed into law and is awaiting royal approval. Um, the Northern Ireland Troubles Legacy and Reconciliation Bill, and the bill will give a limited form of immunity uh, from prosecution for troubles-related offences to those who cooperate with the Truth Recovery Commission. And it will also halt all future civil cases and inquests. inquests. Um, the bill was opposed by all major Stormont parties, victims can, campaign groups and the Irish government. Um, so this bill has massive implications and issues uh, for families still looking for justice and looking for the truth and looking for answers for the killings of of their loved ones um, and there are so many examples of that um, and it's with that angle as I say from the Green Brigade as a massive respect to them for, for that slogan and that banner um, it feeds into the choice of song for this uh, podcast edition it's a song co-written by myself and Kieran Warfield um, we wrote this song in 2018 and um, it's called No Stone Unturned, and it's a song we wrote um, in memory of the six men who were gunned down by UVF gunmen in the Heights Bar in Lockan Island, County Down, uh, on the night Ireland were playing Italy in the World Cup uh, on the 18th of June 1994. Um, the idea for the song uh, came, we had supported the Wolf Tones for their New Year gigs in City West in 2017 and um, one of the audience uh, had sent me a message on Twitter to say how much he enjoyed uh, our performance before the Wolf Tones and uh, we were to and from with messages and he revealed that he lived in Lockan Island uh, he wasn't from there but he lived there so I was asking him about the killings and um, he wasn't he didn't have much recollection of them uh, obviously, but he had moved there and he drank in the high. He would still drink at the Heights Bar from time to time. So the idea for a song came into our mind then um, to commemorate the six men. So we, myself and Kieran, set about writing the song, and we call it "No Stone Unturned" after the, the movie of the same name, um, the brilliant Alex Gibney uh, documentary movie, which shone a light on British collusion into those killings. Um, and like I say, the the families of Lockan Island and so many families 
of British estate collusion murders are still waiting for answers and the truth and justice. Um, so, yeah, so we wrote the song No Stone Unturned. Uh, and Kieran in the last verse brings in many of the other instances of collusion. Uh, the Heights Bar and the Delan Gang, for example. Um, we performed the song for the first time in Lockin Island GA Club in early 2018. I say we wrote the song in January 2018 and we were booked to do a gig in Lockin Island GA Club a few weeks later. Um, so we performed the song for the first time live in Lockin Island GA Club with some of the families of the victims there. So a very, very emotional uh a few minutes when we performed the song and I had to read the song lyrics off a, a piece of paper because it was, say, it was our first time to um, to perform it and we'd only been rehearsing for a couple of weeks. Um, we sang it twice on the night because the, the the audience requested that we sing it again before we finished. So it was a very, very emotional and uh, occasion for us to sing that song. Um, it's a song we're very proud of. Um, and I think it's a song that needed to be written and uh, we're, I say we're very we're very proud of the song so um, that's the background of it folks um, again as I said well done to the Green Brigade in, in, in their, their banner and um, I hope you enjoy our song No Stone Unturned for in memory of the six men who were who were killed that day and it's as I say in memory of all victims of British state collusion okay folks take care hail hail Fans had gathered in the late afternoon. The Heights Bar was the venue, Lockin Island counted down. But evil was lurking and briefed by the crown. There was drama in New Jersey as Ray Houghton scored. The bar became noisy as the fans cheered and roared. When two strangers entered in white boiler suits, six men were slaughtered as they began to shoot, began to shoot. British forces colluded to keep on the fight To fan the flames of hate between the orange, green and white When all sides for justice, for truth, they still yearn Where is your promise to leave? No stone unturned, no stone unturned no stone unturned. The families fought for justice from an ombudsman's pen. The suspects were known to be UVF men. Then Hutchinson claimed no collusion exists. But a high court ruled the report be dismissed. The Maguire report followed, said collusion was rife. They lied to cover those who took innocent lives. When a gunman admitted that he had done the deed, he was arrested and questioned and shamefully freed, shamefully freed. British forces colluded to keep on the fight, to fan the flames of hate between the orange, green and white. When all sides for justice, for truth, they still yearn. Where is your promise to leave? No stone unturned, no stone unturned. No stone unturned. Danny McCrainer, Barney Green, and Adrian Rogan. 
Aylan Burrow murdered by a system that was broken. Malcolm Jenkinson along with Patsy O'Hare will finally find rest when the truth is laid bare. We remember these men who were lost in the heights. And God bless their families who still fight for their rights. This collusion began under Margaret Thatcher's reign. And the people of Ulster were the ones who bore the pain, who bore the pain. British forces colluded to keep on the fight To fan the flames of hate between the orange, green and white When all sides for justice, for truth, they still yearn Where is your promise to leave? No stone unturned, no stone unturned no stone unturned. The Eagle Bard and Clancy's in the county of Armagh. Dublin Monaghan bombings that left an open scar. Miami show fan and his bar and McGurk's. Then nine gang were samples of collusions work. They said that Pat Finucane was in the IRA. So they sent in the assassins to take his life away. The Heights Park killers to everyone are known. Lethal allies existed and their actions were condoned. They were condoned. British forces colluded to keep on the fight. To fan the flames of hate between the orange, green and white. When all sides for justice, for truth, they still yearn. Where is your promise to leave? No stone unturned, no stone unturned. 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 And in the final phase of the game, you know, we just got more and more comfortable. You know, I thought it was a good substitution um, to take Hatati off. He's clearly no at it quite yet. Although I think his attitude's just starting to turn for the better again. But I like Kawata. Um, I think he's a decent football player. And, um, you know, he helped just kind of have legs and things like that. Um, and we basically seen it out very, very comfortably. Added to the fact that um, Maeda scores an absolute peach of a goal. Not just the finish, but the setup as well was fantastic. And I'm glad he did because he worked his arsehole for us today, as he always does. And sometimes his finishing can be absolutely woeful, but when he gets it right, he gets it right. So that was fantastic. And whilst it doesn't um, mask any of the issues, the team and so on, they're now... This was a game that we had to win. And to win 3-0 um, is pretty good, particularly when we had 10 men for most of it. Um, so that that was really good. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the ones where, you know, we us having the foresight to get knocked out of the League Cup and get a free week and get, try and get maybe a couple of guys back and a couple of their rest and all that kind of thing. You know, hopefully um, we can use this to our advantage. Simpson, Craig, Gemmell, Murdoch, McNeil, Clark, Johnston, Wallace, Chalmers, Old Lennox.
Long before I was born, the Lisbon Lions became legends. Yeah, I can rhyme off the 11 men who played in the 1967 European Cup final like I can rhyme off the nine times table. But the triumph in Lisbon on the 25th of May was just the end of the story that saw Jockstein's all-conquering Celtic add the European Cup to the League Cup, the Glasgow Cup, the Scottish Cup and the league title that they'd already won earlier in the season. To earn their place in the final against Inter Milan, Celtic had to see off FC Zurich, FC Nuln, FK Vojvodina and Dukla Prague first. The 11 men who played in Lisbon didn't do it alone. John Fallon was on the bench in Lisbon. Wally O'Neill, John Hughes and Joe McBride all played in the first leg against Zurich with McBride scoring the second goal that night. But perhaps the most crucial of the lines that didn't play in Lisbon was Charlie Gallagher. Gallagher was born in the Gorbals in November 1940 to Irish parents like many in that area of Glasgow and lived the dream of many who grew up there of signing for Celtic. Charlie made his debut in the League Cup in August 1958 in the first of 171 appearances. That day he played alongside not only fellow Lyon, Bertie Ald, but also names like Bertie Peacock and Bobby Evans, linking the Celtic heroes of the 50s with the future Celtic heroes of the 60s. For the next 11 years, Gallagher was part of a Celtic team that did truly notable things. He scored one of his 32 goals for Celtic on his birthday in 1962, the last goal in the 7-0 thrashing of St Later that year, he would be part of the first Celtic 11 to play in a European tie against Valencia in the Intercities Fairs Cup. Though that tie ended in defeat, Gallagher was part of the Celtic team that reached the Cup Winners' Cup semi-final the following season. Well, that tie might well be his biggest disappointment given the 3-0 first leg lead and the 4-3 aggregate loss. It wouldn't be long before he get the chance to make up for it. The Scottish Cup victory in 1965 saw Celtic bring to an end an 11-year wait to get their hands on the oldest trophy once more, but was also significantly the first trophy of the new Jockstein era. Gallagher, who had played for Steen while he was the reserve team coach, played a vital part in that final. Twice Dunfermline took the lead at Hamden that day, and twice Celtic pulled level thanks to goals from Bertie Old, one of which was a rebound after Gallagher had smacked the crossbar from 30 yards. Then, with less than 10 minutes remaining, Gallagher sent in the corner kick that Captain Bellamy Neal would head into the net for the winning goal. Without that trophy, that victory, and that goal coming from that corner kick, who knows how the Jockstein era might have gone. As it was, it went on to bigger and better things at pace. Celtic added the League Cup to the trophy cabinet for the first time since 1957, albeit only beating Rangers 2-1 in the final this time, with Gallagher again playing his part in that game. Then, in the 1966 New Year derby, Rangers scored at Celtic Park in the first 90 seconds and even held the lead until half-time. But the second half saw Celtic run riot, Charlie Gallagher getting the third goal of the five that Celtic would score to win 5-1. It was Celtic's biggest derby win for years, one that put them two points clear at the top of the league with a game in hand. Celtic would, of course, go on to win their first league title for 12 years. Then we reached the 1966-67 season. Whole tomes have been written about that season, but there were two moments that put Charlie Gallagher firmly in the spotlight. The second leg against Voivodina, finally poised at 1-0 on the night and 1-1 on aggregate, was about to reach its conclusion. But in the final minute of the game, Gallagher repeated the Scottish Cup feat of two years earlier by putting the corner in just the right spot for Billy McNeil to head the winner in the tie. There was no time for reply and Celtic were through to the semi-final. It was clearly a massive moment in the story of Celtic season. Without that quarter-final victory, without that goal from that corner kick, we don't get the Lisbon Lions. But a month earlier, Charlie Gallagher did something arguably just as significant. Charlie, the boy from the Gorbals, played for the Republic of Ireland against Turkey. That opportunity came about thanks to a recent change in the rules, and also a word or two from Celtic assistant manager 
Irishman Sean Fallon. Although Gallagher was born in Scotland, his Irish parents meant he was now eligible to play for the Republic and he became the first Scotsman to do so. Incidentally, Charlie Gallagher was the second non-Irish-born player to play for the Republic. The first was Shea Brennan, born in Manchester, who played for Ireland in 1965. Brennan, like Gallagher, would go on to win a European Cup winners medal with Manchester United in 1968. Although Gallagher would only play for Ireland twice, both in 1967, first against Turkey and then against Czechoslovakia, he helped trailblaze a path that would later see Ray Houghton, born in Castlemilk to an Irish father, score winners at both Euro 88 against England and World Cup 94 against Italy. The latter tournament also featured another Scottish-born player in Tommy Coyne, while more recent Scottish-born Irishmen include Aidan McGeady and James McCarthy. Though Gallagher's latter time at Celtic may not have been as he may have wished, when he did leave the club in the summer of 1970, he found a new lease of life at Dumbarton and helped him clinch the 1971-72 Division 2 title. He retired from playing the following summer and in the late 70s he returned once more to Celtic to work as a scout. In his latter years, Charlie could still be found at Celtic Park on match days and was often seen at Celtic Grave Society events too, always resplendent in his Lisbon Lions blazer. Always one who had time to chat with the fans, Charlie sadly passed away in 2021 at the age of 80. With the Covid restrictions at the time, his farewell was far more muted than it was deserved. Charlie once said that for years at Goldham that the only thing people remembered him for was two corner kicks. As much as I agree with his wife's retort of your name's in history for that, it's clear there was so much more to his time at Celtic and for Ireland. Oh, hon, Hugh Dallas, when will we see your likes again Our brother Bobby Colum and Robertson We stood against them Proud Celtic's army All back to Hamden To think again Hi everybody Silent Warren here in Dublin um, with my opinions of the Livingston victory three nil away is always a away to Livingston is always um, you've got to be happy with it. any kind of victory away on this fucking abomination of a pitch and abomination of a, a team my god Livingston are such an ugly fucking team um, imagine paying in, in every week to watch that shite um, terrible terrible team but we look away I thought we managed the game well after after Joe Hart's red card um, managed it well in terms of they didn't really lay a glove on us. Yeah, we didn't have to. We, we did. We wasn't backs to the wall. We're ten men by any stretch of the imagination. So I thought we managed it well, and um, not without some plenty of aspects of you know sloppiness sometimes in possession, um, which seems to be creeping in a bit too much the last couple of games. Um, but look, that would only be carping uh, when you get out ten men losing your keeper after half an hour. You know, you and you end up winning three nil. Um, you can't really be nitpicking too much, but um, I thought Craig Taylor was a big improvement today. Um, and I thought Matt O'Reilly, despite a few mistakes, but look, everyone makes mistakes, but Matt O'Reilly, he's such a classy player. Um, and open support for the second goal, with a good mid- attacking midfielder should be. Um, and as for Maeda, <laughs> what do you say about Maeda? Um, so many times in a game, you, you want to just he just drive you to drink with some of the decisions he, he takes or some of the stupid silly things he does and 
chances he misses. I mean, the, the chance he missed for for O'Reilly to score the rebound, you're saying, what was he thinking there? Um, but my God, is he honest? And does he never stop trying? Um, and that's why we love him. Um, his work rate and honesty is just second to none. And uh, that's what I was kind of rare and what to say about him. And then in the last kick of the game, he comes up with that moment of absolute brilliance. It's just goal of sheer beauty from... From, from the chap so fair play to him um, and if we had um, we had a 11 11 Midas in terms of efforts and application we'd be we'd win everything <laughs> so fair play to him as I say a good win um, another clean sheet I thought Lagerbielka looked a bit more at home today uh, again though not without some scary moments we're, we're getting caught in behind both Liam and Gus we're getting caught in behind way too many times uh, for my liking so Brendan will know that has to be addressed um, better teams than, than Livingston are going to punish us um, more in, in those situations um, yeah Joe's red card you couldn't complain about it um, very rash um, very very rash and even though Bain has been with us a long time he wouldn't fill you with confidence either as, as a replacement of backup um, especially when he was caught in possession there um, inside his own penalty area they they should have scored from that. Um, so I think the alarm bells are ringing in terms of uh, looking for a replacement for, for Joe, who can't go on forever. He's been really good since he came into the building. But I think the warning signs are there recently. Um, and Bain, uh, he wouldn't inspire me with confidence at all going forward. Um, brother Beaton, um, as I say, no option with Joe, but there was the time he booked. Uh, Alistair Johnson was disgraceful when uh, the Livingston player had left one on Matt O'Reilly um, no free for Matt O'Reilly and a yellow card for for AJ um, and it was just card happy then for Livingston ploughing into our players uh, but that's brother beaten we, we move on um, yeah that's 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 my opinions of today's game lads so 3-0 uh, clean sheets Three more points puts the Huns under pressure again to you know to, to keep winning and that's all you can do. Okay, so it's uh, enjoy your Saturday, folks. Hail hail. Hi there. Uh, this is uh, my thoughts of the game away to Livingston today. Um, I'll start by caveating that I didn't see the first thirty-five minutes, so sadly it was uh, radio shortbread for me. Um, with the game and uh, having to rely on uh, their commentary. So I've missed the penalty and the red heart, red card for Hart. Uh, I did catch up uh, on Sky Payback uh, to see the penalty, uh, the foul and the finish from Hatati from the spot. Good to see him scoring again. Uh, but uh, for Hart's challenge, uh, didn't see anything at all. So I'll have to see if I can find it online or uh, watch it on Sports Scene tonight. But uh, given that it's brother beating in the middle, anything's possible with regards to whether it was a red or not. Uh, looking at some positives here, we've got Scales and Lagerbielka in the back. Uh, I was expecting a lot more tougher test for the two of them today with uh, the old Livingston style, but uh, they seem to have... Uh, done really well, uh, particularly in the first half and the second half uh, was uh, a bit of a stroll for them. Um, again, uh, Carl uh, McGregor in the middle there uh, 
doesn't look like he's back to his usual self as yet, but uh, Atati's definitely looking better. So once those two are up to speed with uh, uh, O'Reilly in the mid, middle of the park, uh, really looking forward to seeing what uh, this team can do under Brendan Rodgers, both uh, home and in Europe. Bain, oof, anything more than a second of thinking, and this guy has a brain fart. Uh, Hibs away at the end of last season uh, uh, really gives me the fear for uh, our next ship away to Motherwell with both him and Seagrest uh, being uh, on the bench and uh, in between the sticks. Uh, really has brought home uh, the failure of the window. Uh, transfer window with uh, not looking to get a goalkeeper or a left back there. So, uh, on the subject of left back, uh, didn't have one on the bench. So, any kind of injury to Taylor uh, or any kind of uh, moves to rest him would probably mean skills moving out of uh, centre back and uh, unnecessary disruption to a centre back pairing that has um, uh, been doing fairly well over the last few games, building up partnership, getting more experience and, uh, crucially domestically, another clean sheet. So it looks like uh, it's a bye-bye for Bernabeu come the next window as uh, Brendan has uh, decided it's uh, game over for him. Uh, second half, again, uh, this was uh, a lot easier than I expected. I was really looking to a tough... Uh, Tougher test from Livingston. Uh, another SPFL masterclass from Brendan Rogers with 10 men. Uh, Maeda, another game uh, with a powder running to make up for a man down. He should have scored the easier of his chances that uh, Matt O'Reilly put away. Again, Matt O'Reilly, classic uh, Celtic midfielder, arriving late into the box to put away that chance. Team still a work in progress, uh, but a crucial three points. Hope the Huns tuning in enjoyed that show today. And uh, speaking of Matt O'Reilly, definitely the man of the match. Uh, this season he's been the form player so far and has uh, made some good improvements under Brendan Rodgers. Hail, hail. Referee watch. Aye, so cheating, beating. Um, I know everybody will say, oh, he gave you a penalty and all that kind of stuff. I mean, some of his decisions were just the, the bookings for us. Incredible. Um, and then he just, he done what all these cheating bastards do when he just started booking Livingston players for fun when the game's done, basically. Um, but, you know, it's one of them where, uh, I've always said it, like, people always say to me, well, how come you've won so many games and leagues and trophies if it's a conspiracy against you? Because teams can better a referee, no matter what they're doing. And that was a classic example of the day. You never really gave them decisions to make against us. Um, and so that's basically how you do it. And you, Aifa. Just a quick message before we go. Um, we're launching a new project on the 6th of October. Uh, it's first part's a book, which will be out in April, and then a film, which will be premiered in November. And uh, like always, we'll be looking for investment. We've got investment packages and all that kind of thing and we shall reveal it all as it unfolds after the 6th of October um, but if you're a listener you know check us out on um, 
at Still Are The Tims on X, Still Are The Tims Facebook group, um, Still Are The Tims on TikTok if you're a young hipster. Um, but keep an eye out for that because it's, it's back to the kind of stuff we've done before, uh, like the Astra Skiers and anyone but Celtic and Armageddon. And um, it's an incredible amount of work and research and all sorts of things we're in it already. And it should be good, it should be exciting. We're kind of back in the groove with these things. We'll have something coming after it as well that we've already started planning because we've already we've been doing work on this initial project um, for a long time now. So 6th of October, it'll be in the Facebook group and on our uh, X feed. So keep an eye out for that. Cheers. Matches that ever I seen Watching Celtics white and green There is one game I love till I die When Caesar held the big cup high The Lisbon Lions led by Jack Steen On that May day they stood so tall Still are the Tims raise a parting glass Good night and joy be with you all.